evening patriots and blessed is this day of his resurrection he is risen i tell you it's been a very nice weekend but a quiet one i hope you've had the same lots to reflect upon in the state that we're in and all that was sacrificed for us in the state of the world where it is today it's quite amazing not, I don't think, but I think if Jesus was here today, he'd be shaking his head going, uh, what exactly happened here? Be like, I know, can I tell you? Hey, before we begin tonight, make sure you're getting good sleep. Take care of yourself with your sleep. Make sure you have the right things to sleep on that keeps, make sure that you get a good night's sleep. Some of the best products on the market are my pillow products like the Giza cotton sheets, which are unbelievably soft and comfortable, keeps you keeps your sleep going steadily. It's amazing what a difference a set of sheets make, as well as their, as their pillow, the MyPillow Classic. All of these are currently on sale, along with many, many more sales. The Giza cotton sheets are down as low as 60% off. The MyPillow Classic is down as low as 1998 you can get take advantage of those great savings by using your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S. And you can also see all the latest featured specials if you go to the BARDS Nation's landing page on MyPillow, which is MyPillow.com forward slash BARDS. And you'll see all the latest sales. And in, right now, if you're using your promo code, you'll get a copy of Mike Lindell's book, his story where he came from addict to one of America's greatest CEOs, included complimentary with every order. So head on over to MyPillow.com, check out the great products, everything from mattress toppers to mattresses to six-piece towel sets, 
my slippers, men's and women's sleepwear, kids' pillowcases with Bible verses on them. It's fantastic. It's a company that really represents the deep values of this nation. So mypillow.com forward slash Bards. Your promo code is Bards. You can use that same promo code anywhere on the MyPillow site, the Frank Speech site, and the My Store site. So again, mypillow.com forward slash Bards. And if you want to speak to a Patriot Pillow counselor, you can dial 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and they'll get you hooked right up. Just remember, use your promo code Bards. We're in quite a time right now as we come through Easter weekend. Hopefully without the bunnies and pagan worship that goes with that part. But as we come out of the weekend and we really have had a, hopefully a very blessed weekend celebrating his rising and contemplating all that went through in this process of the sacrifice of Christ. We are entering into a, a very vivid reality on the state of the world. A lot of things are coming to a head. They continue to come to a head, I guess I should say. And they, they aren't, they're pushing everybody to a limit. It's interesting right now. I worked with, I had an opportunity to talk to with a, a, a young man, a younger guy, let's put it that way, whose family was in, is in Shanghai. And I asked some very interesting questions because I wanted to get some clarity. And some things I was surprised about um, that, in fact, if you have a VPN, you can fairly easily jump through the Chinese firewall. That I didn't know. I have been very suspicious of it, but he did confirm that for me. So there's pretty, you can get through it fairly easily. Um, he has family over there. There is no doubt that they are literally squeezing everybody down, starving people out. We are dealing with a human tragedy in China at an unprecedented level. What I can't get any details on is what the profiling of these people are that they're targeting. I don't know if it's just random in Shanghai right now or if they're, because they're going apartment complex by apartment complex. His family, when I talked to him this weekend, had two days worth of food left. The food that they've been receiving has been very minimal. They've been receiving versions of very fatty type underbelly of the pork, which is kind of um, closer to a bacon, but very fatty. And much of it, frequently when they get it, it's already rancid. Photos coming out tonight from China. They're digging up gardens right now, claiming that COVID is spreading through the garden. And they're and these are private residence gardens. And they're throwing away mass amounts of food. We are watching an engineered assault on people by a very dark and evil regime. And from what we can put together, it's only going to get worse. And it's going to be a human tragedy on a monumental level. This has nothing to do with it. It's Chinese people versus China that derelict government, which is really about the same level as ours. So we're really starting to come to, I think we have to really start to realize just how much we all have in common. I mentioned this once before, it's rather stunning. There are more Christians that speak China, speaks, speaks Chinese than all the other Christians combined on earth. There's something like 30,000 revivals a day in China. It's phenomenal. 
and these are all underground churches, and they are doing this all with the knowing that if they pursue that, that um, they're going to be thrown in jail and thrown in prison. So I want you to hear this short little piece just on a perspective of the coming recession. This is coming from somebody who looks to be about 30 years old, so it put him right in kind of that lower spectrum of the millennials. A recession's coming, I think in the next year or so. And let me tell you why. I just got off the phone with a buddy of mine who's a real estate investor in his late 40s. He manages over 200 rental properties, which include apartments, townhouses, single family homes. Pre-COVID, six to eight tenants would move out every month and would be replaced. However, now for months, he hasn't had a single tenant leave. And I asked him why. His response, rents are rising very aggressively. Apartments that used to cost $1,400 a month have been raised in a short amount of time to up to $2,000 a month. That's around a 40% increase. So none of the tenants are moving out. They're going out and seeing what else is available and they're realizing that it's just cheaper to stay and take the small increase that he's giving. Now my biggest concern is working class families that are living paycheck to paycheck. The current wages and the current wage increases just can't keep up with inflation. These people are in deep doo-doo. Rents are up 40%. Gas is up 38%. Meats are up 13%. Produce is up 8%. The average consumer goods are up 8%. I have over 4,000 different SKUs in my business and I've had to raise prices between 10% all the way up to 40% for some of the products. Now the scarier statistic is that 63% of American households are living paycheck to paycheck. Can you imagine what these continual spikes in prices will do to these poor families? I honestly think when everyone's leases are up in the next couple months and their rent increases to that 40%, I think it'll be the tipping point. I mean, those 63% of families definitely won't have any disposable income and will struggle to just afford the necessities. And this is gonna have a chain reaction throughout our economy. People are going to be spending less money. Less money is going to be in circulation. It's just not going to be pretty. I just hope our government is able to do something to get this all under control because this is bananas. No, the government won't do anything to get it in control because the government is exactly the problem and the one engineering this disaster because they have built a system that has put debt on our back and they're enjoying the pilfering and the rape of the entire public financially. And in a sense, it's just an abusive assault on humanity. The same people that tortured Jesus are the same type of derelicts that are running the world today. They have no problem executing their form of, of a punishment that will destroy your children, that will sever families, ruin everything in your life enslave you in debt, throw you in prison. They don't care. And that sort of reality is, I think, very appropriate to consider as we come out of this weekend because the same monsters that, like I said, were there whipping Jesus are the same monsters that are now in all of the places that we voted them in and all the places where stockholders put them in power. This is the world that we're in, and there's only one way that we can deal with that. And it's while we always say we need to pray and we do, but the action point of that for us 
is we have to begin this continued exodus on this economy to start we're doing everything we can to breaking away from the system which they want us tied to. There's a lot of opportunity in this system, and it's important that we grasp how much there is. Here's an interesting piece with Mike Rowe and uh, on Fox News. You can have a job available, but if no one can do it, the job remains unfilled. 5.6 million jobs exist right now as we're talking. 5.6 million jobs, 75% of which don't require a four-year degree. When people talk about you know, why the skills gap exists, it's, it's almost, how can it not exist? We took Votech out of high school. At the same time, we told an entire generation that their best hope for success was a four-year degree. Right. So the most expensive path becomes the best path for the most people. At the same time, all these other jobs, which are linked to this very fundamental form of education, are completely marginalized because we sent a really powerful message. You know, you, you don't just take vocational technical training out of high schools and that be the end of it. That sets all kinds of dominoes in place, and none of them are pretty, and they all fall down. And they all do fall down. When I was in high school, there was Votech was a main option, but even then, that was when I graduated in 83, they were doing everything they could to push people away from Votech. They eventually took the vocational system out of the entire public schools in my small town. They've recently put it back in. But it's not the same. It's going to take years to rebuild the network that they had before. Point of this is that we have an opportunity as adults to do a couple of things. One, to make sure that we gain as many skills as we can. If you aren't skilled in a trade, become so. Just being a manager, just being a salesman is not going to cut it in this new in this forward motion of where we're going. Those that are just are dependent on kind of service type skills are going to end up being victims of this new system because they're not going to be able to be placed. You have to be able to raise your own food. You have to be able to hopefully grow some livestock, so that whatever that is, some form of meat. You have to be able to hunt. You, you have to be able to fish. You know, the parable of we, you give a man a fish, he'll feed his family for a day. You teach a man a fish to fish and he'll feed his family for life. This is a very true issue here. You have to be able to do trade skills that aren't dependent on the basics of like electricity. So I know some great carpenters, but they're not great carpenters if they don't have power tools. And that's the thing is we've got to get back to traditional skills. These are going to be very important in, in a transition as we go forward because this is all essentially a need to break from the dependency on the system. And we're going to have to reshape a world. And that's going to be done household by household, neighborhood by neighborhood, county by county. We're very much back in a, in a biblical mindset and having to reset things back. And this time is all of this is to be able to get ourselves in a place where this system is not trying to suck the lifeblood out of us and more and more of what we do aligns with the directions and things that God wants us to be part of. Here's a a piece here just to um, listen to kind of the scams that are going on right now. It's an interesting perspective, and this is on this whole Elon Musk nonsense. Uh, This is a guy that does a pretty regular financial piece, and he's good. You need to pay attention and know the game so you can't be played. For two and a half years, I've been connecting the dots for myself and bringing this information to a platform 
to help people make informed decisions. Now, as everybody was celebrating Elon Musk taking massive stake or majority stake in Twitter, at the same time, methodically planned out, Vanguard just took over stake in Twitter, knocking out Elon Musk. Let's think about this for just a moment. Vanguard, BlackRock, the largest companies in the world controlling everything to include media, pharmaceuticals, and financial. So as soon as Elon Musk takes over Twitter, boom, here comes Vanguard. Whereas you have to understand how the game works. Those who control the money, control the information, control the people. This has now become a battle for your consciousness. Wake, Wake up is right. And that's, that's exactly it. Is This whole thing has been a battle of people's consciousness. And with this, they've lulled many to sleep. Now, just take a listen to this. This is some of the companies that are owned by, by BlackRock. Amazon, Microsoft, Dow Chemical, Comcast, Ford, Netflix, Tesla. And there you go, Tesla. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I'll tell you. The whole game with Elon Musk has been cracking me up because the, the right has all of a sudden jumped on the bandwagon. of. Oh, by the way, BlackRock also owns Disney. Walt Disney Company, the Disney Studios, it owns Comcast, it owns Cisco Systems, which is a networking system. It also owns the Home Depot. It owns Raytheon, Boeing, Fox News. Isn't that amazing? There's your whole diversity right there. They own Walmart, AT&T, Exxon, Verizon, Qualcomm, Honeywell, Digital Reality, Uber, all owned by BlackRock, Visa, PayPal. It just goes on. And this is right where we sit here, and we, we, we watch people out here get all excited like with somebody like Elon Musk, who has been, I swear he's become a new messiah for these, these agnostic young ones out here that are looking for something to worship. And instead of knowing or having a relationship with Christ, they're turning right into Elon Musk. If you have any doubts about that, go check out the opening of the manufacturing place in Texas. Elon Musk gave them a little dazzled light show with a bunch of coordinated drones, opened up the factories, the giga factory, so they could go in and run through the factory and be like kids in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I mean, that's literally the whole scenario. And if you watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, especially the old one, and then you watch this, it, it reminds you of the same thing. Everybody that is not is that is in the system is being shaped and programmed to do very specific things, and they are being puppeteered. And so this whole hand puppet game, I'm, I'm convinced that Elon Musk isn't doing anything good. He's just playing out a scenario, part of his script, to give kind of look like he's going to do something good. Keeping in mind that Elon Musk is Department of Defense's largest contractor, and he's also building the digital infrastructure with his Skynet, or whatever they call it, which is going to become the most intense digital monitoring grid ever created by man because it's satellite based and it's set up so that there isn't a thing that moves that that system doesn't track. And the conservatives are hailing it as a great thing. The left is one thing. I get them because they all like surveillance. They all, they all agree with giving up their data and their freedom because that's how they see life is. They want the nanny state. 
But I cannot believe the number on the conservative right that are thinking this is a good thing. All of this pivots back again and again to the same things that we talk about, that when we walk off of a relationship in faith and with God, and we don't have that intimate relationship to see a true path, we keep as beings trying to replace that intimate relationship with a worship of things and things of men and men, right? And it just, it's a, it's a cycle. I gave this just a tremendous amount of thought this weekend because it was just, and I, I talked about this last night, in fact. It was the two young girls that keep standing out with me that in my thoughts of these two young girls that are there with their family from Canada that are up at this farm that I'm working on on Saturdays as I go through the process of learning how to be, how to butcher animals, to be butcher certified. And it's amazing to watch how in five months of being on that farm, how their intelligence of what goes on in a life-based skill set is off the charts. As we were butchering four lambs yesterday, one of the, each of us had a lamb to butcher. And the girl's father was the fourth one to have a lamb. And Kira, who runs the butchery, is overseeing the butchering of the other of us three, or two of us actually, because the other guy, Eric, is very capable, more than capable. He's a fantastic butcher, in fact. So she's overseeing the two of us greenhorns over here doing our lambs. The this gentleman from Canada, his daughter is walking around and paying attention to what everybody's going on, and pretty soon she's over instructing him on what she's observing going on other places. This is a nine-year-old girl. And I'm just, I am just very impressed with this because what it shows is, the, is children are like sponges. When we give them the right type of knowledge, they're just unlimited in what they can do. But so much of that is going to pivot back on us, that we have to free ourselves from the restrictions and we have to get back to learning skills. We don't have to master skills. We have to learn skills. And we have to learn enough of a skill that we can open the door for a child or, or our children so that they can then pursue it and be, go beyond us, become greater than us. But this is all about resetting the foundations. We have so much that we have to give to children now that has been lost. And it's not a small a number of things. We, we have things like, you know, the basics of like, how do you, how do you buck hay? How do you split wood? How do you build small structures and cabins? How about harvesting and processing food or turning wrenches, stocking ponds, making leather and making your own clothes, making your own soap, making your own candles? These are things now that we go through that used to be just standard, but it's not standard now. Now standard is how do we go how do we go to our work and we'll turn our children over to an indoctrination camp and they'll leave with, Oh, and by the way, all those children, I mean, not all, but those children as well, typically would also learn this would learn scripture. And they would often have, by the time they get to be an adult, read the Bible, not many times, but have had whole sections of the Bible memorized. There was a different world that we were in. We've worked up in a world where we're told that we can't do something. And we can't do something and we're reminded that if we do, there's going to be a penalty. 
and this is one of the things that where I do have a, when we reflect on the sacrifice Christ made, I don't over abuse the point of the punishment other than to keep in mind how much strength it took him to get through that time. But I do think that we get indoctrinated so much into punishment and pain that we begin, and even happens in the churches that we're told basically we're sinners and we can't accomplish great things because we are sinners. That's not true. That's just in a fundamental sense that is absolutely a lie. And to justify that is John 14, 12, which I read so often here. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Our greatest challenge right now is overcoming ourselves and doing so through the trust in Father. It's the trust that we have that the knowledge and we need and everything that we need rests in that relationship and we'll be guided to what is needed and what we need to learn. You know, this thing, this story about me going up and starting to be, get into butcher training is an interesting one and yet again the way Father works. I had made a decision, which is now two weekends ago, about, about two weeks ago roughly, that I was going to go and I was going, I'm going to figure out how to, I wanted to learn how to butcher pigs. So I did a search and this is actually about three weeks ago. I did a search and I searched and searched and I found a place that taught this and it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the only opening they had was a school, a three day intensive course in October. So it wasn't cheap and I put it to prayer and I just said, okay, Okay, Father, look, I, this is what I think I need to learn and I need to do. And if this is a lot of money, but I'll spend it because I'm just stewarding the money you give me. But if that's what I need to do and I need to drive to Tulsa, Oklahoma to learn this skill, then I will. But I need to kind of understand if that's the right decision. So literally 36 hours later, I went and picked up my mail, and in the stack of mail was a letter, a letter from Helios Farms, talking about their whole fantastic way they raise animals, and including a kid's book that they had written about the power of vitamin C to heal. I hadn't read the book yet. It's not that long. It's a, very, it's a really beautiful graphic book that they graphic novel of sorts. It's a, it's a children's book. It's really beautifully done. So I picked up the phone and I called them because they were just up the road from me about an hour. And in the course of that conversation, we went from hello to realizing how much we have in common. They were listeners of the show and what they were doing is really fantastic. And I've mentioned that already to you, but you know, they're doing 80 acres and they're providing 300 families weekly with milk and eggs and quarterly with meat or twice a year with meat. 300 families off of a 80 acre farm. And so they invited me up to come up to see how the milking process ran and to come up and see about how they slaughter animals. And I made the comment that and I was looking to go training, and that's when Kira says, well, I train people. If you come up and like it, you can just train here. 
That's God working right there. It's really amazing how all this always happens because, but it's all the process that we have to get back to. We literally have to get back to our skills. And we, and it's, you know, we spend so much time, men in particular, like to spend so much time polishing ammo and getting all their kit, getting ready to have the tactical war. Where the skills that have to be nurtured are the skills that take a long time. And they need to be started now. Knowing how to hunt, not with a rifle, but with a bow. Knowing how to skin an animal so that you can provide food for the family. Knowing how to fish. And if you know how to fish, you better know how to make your own make your own fly your own rod. You better or yeah, and you better know how to if you're fly fishing, make your own tie your own flies. If you're doing arrows, fletch your own arrows. All of these skills were basics to many. They weren't hard for anybody to to grasp when they were young because it part of the culture in growing up as everybody was exposed to this. But now as we've moved so far from these skills, not only are we faced with a challenge of reawakening the depth and relationship with Father into doing so across the world, but we're equally faced with the challenges of reawakening these fundamental skills. So much of what we can do as adults is to inspire the young, the younger adults and the youth to pursue these. And we do that in part by pursuing those ourselves. As parents, we have an amazing opportunity because we can incite excitement in in our children just by doing things, even if it's new to us. It's like, join me. I talked to somebody recently who honestly has not even thought about having a garden. And I told them, yeah, and they I told them because they asked me, to be clear about this, because I don't like stepping in parents' space. And they asked me, what do you think we sh- I should do as a parent? I said, get a piece of property and start gardening and include your kids in it. Because this is a process now that this isn't just about fun and learning skills. This is about a, an event that's coming, a time that's coming, when the word famine isn't going to be something we talk about in third world countries. I wish I was wrong about this. I really do. I've, I've worked this through in so many ways. I think that we can avoid it in the terms of the extremes of this, if we are serious and diligent, each one of us doing everything we can to metaphorically fill the silos. And that means moving to a place where we are each trying to take a position to grow some of our own food. Food is life. And it is the fundamental basis that changes everything. Because once we take that domain back, we take away a huge chunk of what they control. Think about the entire agenda of the mask issue and the vaccine issue. Where have they hit people the hardest? Obviously, work is one. And medical is another. But the medical, we're not there 100% of the time. And the work, even though it's difficult, there's options. There have been employers who have not complied. And you can always, there's many opportunities to start your own job. So they are not bound there. But now think about food, because that's where they were hitting people hard and will continue to, not only from terms of wearing a mask in a store, but they will try to push towards mandate of how you use a digital currency. All of this is going to be happening at stores. And if they don't mandate it, they're going to make it so compulsory, you're not going to get much of a choice anyway, especially when it comes to digital currencies. 
So it's the food thing. And that's what we're talking about. Food and then your clothing. That's another store issue, right? These are your shopping experiences and your restaurants. And when you take those away from their control, because you've worked that in a different realm, you're going to start growing your own food. You're buying local. You're buying through private membership associations. You're stepping away from their system. You're reclaiming a critical part of your sovereignty. You're finding ways to do commerce that aren't dependent on a Federal Reserve note. You might be doing commerce by trade of of talent, an equity-type transfer, maybe something, maybe it's a trade in kind, maybe maybe it's a trade in, in a currency, maybe it's digital, maybe it's metal, precious metal, I don't know. But my whole point of this is that there's a whole series of things here of changings that we have to make because it takes us away from this Babylonian system and it reclaims our sovereignty all through the gifts and talents God has given us. And at the center of all of that, the thing that I think everyone will find, as I hope many people are, is as we move that direction, what do we discover? I I reflect just over the last few weeks on the conversations I've had with people in this same mindset, and I've talked to many. And the most amazing thing is that we all end up talking about Jesus. Not like it's proselytizing, not like I'm having to go door to door and say, do you believe in Jesus? It's just part of the conversation. Just as natural as talking about butter and milk and eggs. That is amazing to me. And it's not with people that's in, or that are in the same church. It's not with people that have to codify everything with what they heard in a certain sermon. This is just a natural course of event conversation of where we arrive and the beauty and the connectivity of all that God creates through and through the love of Christ. And we have amazing conversations and all of it centers on a critical thing. All of these people I'm talking about are doing something in common. Everyone I'm talking to and, and I'm talking to a lot are all moving to a place where they're seeking to be self-sufficient on food. That is critical. And with it brings an, an amazing love and relationship to our Savior and to God. So as we are moving forward here, especially in this, these forward weeks now, the pressing issue is really about taking care of our households and the taking care of a place where we have self-sufficiency in our homes. There's nothing more important right now than that. Our jobs aren't as important than that. I, you know, I'm sure that others may feel different because they're like, well, my job pays my mortgage. The system is starting to spiral and it's moving fast. That the statistics I played a bit earlier are stunning. 40% increase in rents, 30% increase in fuel. The overall average increase isn't the 8.5% garbage they told you on inflation. The real inflation right now is running somewhere between 15 and 20% real inflation dollars. And that's a double hit. I mean, you're, you're being hit without any increase in your, in, your, in your actual salary, costs are going up. But at the same time, as you go to buy things, then what you're discovering is quantities and sizes are getting smaller. So you're getting hit with 
overall buying less on and being and having a deflated dollar. People are coming to slowly understand that this is not going away quickly. And it's easy to blame Joe Biden because that's a nice little point the finger at somebody. But at the end of the day, we all accepted this system. And now we have to make a decision of either to play in it or break it and go our own way. And the the most amazing thing is Jesus is at that doorway, just like standing there like, hey, come on over here. We got a path to go. And we do. That following our that following that path, that beautiful path where we're going to put the fundamentals of life first, going back to go forward. God first, food, sustenance for the family, putting our faith in that. All this other stuff. Because everything that we do, whether you're in a system, ultimately, if we're not setting up provisions of how we're going to succeed outside of just dollars. All of the dollars are vanishing and collapsing. And in my opinion, when you look at this whole model, it's really amazing what God is doing. And it just really struck me heavily over the weekend, just on this amazing weekend, just how much God is moving to give us a choice. But the decision is bold. We either go to the side of the wide gate, and that's the promises of the CBDC. It's the promises of a you're going to get subsidized everything from phones to food to housing. You'll even get a, an electric car to rent once in a while. But that infrastructure is just a tease because all it is in the end is it's just an enslavement. And then you have this other side that looks kind of like a rough trail. In fact, it looks pretty steep and it doesn't have a lot of definition and it's not giving you any the promises except one, trust in me. And that amazing path offers unlimited potential. It's everything we want it to be and more because we can't even imagine how great of a gift God has opened up for us. All we have to do is trust in him to go. But to do that, it's not just saying like, okay, well, I trust in Father. It is an actual shift in the way we do everything. If you're upside down in your mortgage or you're heavy in debt in your mortgage, it's time to sell your house and get to something that's paid off. I know that's bold, but this, these are truths. God's pushing us in directions to get back to freeing ourselves from the system. If you have two or three cars that are, you know, you're paying on, it'd probably be a good idea to sell them and get down to something that was paid off. In the same time, building up some basic stocks. If your children are going to public school with all this craziness, it's probably a good time to get them home and figure out how to homeschool them. Every step we make right now in those directions, if we put God first and our children and our food and our work and our health in, in all in, back in our control, pretty soon things start to line up and the dominoes start to fall into place. And it's not a hard thing. But it's a bold thing, and it takes time and courage and trust, trust again and again, trust. And once that alignment starts to happen, you find we find that, okay, if we have a little bit less here and we're not having to put out here and we're, we've dropped this payment off, all of a sudden it's like, well, we don't need everything we thought we needed. And that's stewardship and conservation. All of that is a mindset shift. You know, in my town, when I drive out through the county, there's areas that I go 
that are still have never really emotionally. And when I say that, you can see by the visible houses that they are. They've never completely recovered from what hit us in the 70s. So y'all, if you were alive at that point, depending on your age, the 70s was the, was the gas crisis. And that's when we shifted the embargo. That's when we shifted under Nixon from the Federal Reserve note to the petrodollar. And everything was crazy in the economy. And that recession lasted for about six years. And when it hit here, it hit longer than that because we lost in this area 25 or so logging companies in a town that had a population of 18,000. This was a logging town when I grew up. And that effect, did it devastated families. And I've mentioned this before, but I remember going in as when I was in high school, going to some of these small towns, and there'd be nobody in these little it created open spaces where people could just set up a garage sale and they'd be selling anything they could just to get a, a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread in the refrigerator. It was, I've seen abject poverty in my own town and I've seen a desperation that is really rough. So some of these places today still have the scarring from that sort of rupture. That memory still sits here. And for those that in my area that grew up here when I did or have lived here longer, that memory is still fresh and we remember. And it's that sort of memory that now when I see these places, I also see, I see spirit because I see people fighting to keep it. They have no respect for federal government. They don't want them near them. There's a realism that's settled in here. And this is not a perfect county, but it's real. And people understand the, the, what difficulties come and how you have to survive. I heard somebody speak the other day that they had never had a job that paid over $1,000 a month. And I had to sit back and reflect on that. It's like, wow, you know, God has blessed me very well over my life. And that's a pretty amazing thing to say in an era when that almost puts them at poverty level, and that's how they've lived in this county most of their life. We get spun up into our places, and we get wrapped up into all of the things that really don't matter in the end. And so as I leave this weekend, I've spent a lot of time in prayer talking to Jesus. And I to just be very honest with you, this was kind of what I, my conversation I had. I said, you know, maybe I'm different or maybe I don't know you as well as I think, but I need to be honest. I said, I can't say Happy Good Friday because I think of what you went through and I think of the betrayal of all the people. I celebrate your resurrection but I'm not going to say Easter because it's so laden with pagan junk. And while this is a joyous weekend, my heart is heavy because of where we are again of so many people that are out here wandering when you're offering everything they need and they're so easily deceived by the latest shiny silver thing, the first squirrel that goes across the trail. And as I prayed, I talked to Jesus. I said, you know, 
we've got this thing with Elon Musk as an example, or we have any other, a number of things that people are jumping on, saving themselves with an injection, worshiping Elon Musk, trying to believe in this Sarah Gisera, talking about med beds. I could go on a list of things. And as I see this and I see how easy it is for Satan to draw people off the path, I can equally see how easy it would be for Satan to seal the deal. All he'd have to do is start a new universal church and have that church work with the government to offer some form of something they call Nisera and offer food to the many and promises of greatness in a great reset where people have to now accept less and live more humbly in 300-square-foot controlled housing systems and attend church regularly, except it wouldn't be God's church. It'd be Lucifer's church, and yet millions would follow that path. And so my heart was heavy this weekend as I looked at this and I talked to Jesus in my prayers and I said, listen, it's not that I don't celebrate your rise because it's a glorious moment, but the real of it is, is we haven't come very far and we're right back to where we were unless we fight. And so I was reminded by a conversation I had that I took as an indication of somewhat of the answer I was seeking. It was a conversation I had with a friend that has a, has a farm that was having to tell one of their patrons that they couldn't come on the farm, a good patron that was a lot of support for the farm because the patron had been vaxxed and they didn't want to take the chance of having that spreading, shedding affect the animals, which it does. It has happened many times. And I just, and as I looked at this, I realized that in order for us to get to where we need to be, in the real part for me for this weekend, in coming out of this weekend of thinking and, and honoring Jesus for all he has done, was that we all have to sacrifice. We all have to go through a sacrifice now to accomplish the greatness that we need. That means time. That means commitment. It means changing things. It means not doing the same thing and trying to tell ourselves that we just, well, I love Jesus, but I'm going to do the same thing over and over. It means we have to make fundamental changes in our life because you can't do the same thing over and over. and expect to get a different result. We are our greatest enemy in many ways because we're easily deluded and easily deceived. And this system is really good at shaping deception. We have to be truly greater than we've ever been and that doesn't mean ego. It means deeper trust than we've ever had in Jesus and in Father. That means letting go, changing things, like I say, downsizing, restructuring, letting go of the enslavement traps, doing everything we can to work towards that end. 
and getting back to basics. We've got to break our dependency on a system. And none of that is going to be easy. None of that comes without trial. None of that comes without sacrifice. None of that comes without frustration. But here's the great news about all of it. All of it comes with the hand of Christ and the guidance of Father in every step we take. And the fact that is that, of course, it's going to be tough. But we've always been told, if we follow him, it will be. That's what I got out of the weekend. And to me, it's just doubled down on my efforts of how much I have to do. Work harder, sleep less, drive, push farther. Never stop and never give up, no matter how steep that climb. Let's pray. So deeply humbled, Jesus, so deeply humbled. As we just sit here this evening on the close of a very important and very memory-heavy weekend, and the reflection of all that you went through and all that you've given to us. For those times when we've taken this for granted, we've forgotten that we've put that as something that's just missing the point of the magnitude of what you did for us. Please forgive us. Because it is a, an unbelievable sacrifice. We like to say things like, there's no greater sacrifice than to give your life for another. But few of us really have ever been there to understand what that's like. We like to marvel at the fact that you gave yourself and to celebrate all that you did in rising above. And it is a beautiful thing, but let us not forget the depth of what it means for us to walk on this earth. Not to just be marking time, but be diligently building the kingdom and returning to Father. Jesus, it is uh, the, the grace that you show us in all of this, through everything that was done, still the reminders to forgive. Those are hard lessons for us to continue to learn. And yet we know we must, and we will. And still... As we walk around this world, we see so many that seek the ease of worshiping one thing or another and have no clue what it is that you've given this world. So Jesus, all I can say is that we have a lot of work to do to share the word, to share your story, to share our love for you. Just know that we're going to make that walk. We're under your banner, and that's the fight we can win. Guide us, protect us, and lead us. And we say these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. A beautiful time in this time for all of us to just embrace this amazing walk. We literally are being given an opportunity to help shape a world as God would want it going to be up to us, all of us, not one person, not another. It's not going to be fixed by a handful of 
people racing to the into the, the 11th hour to pull the whole thing out of the fire. We're going to have to go through some trials. And those trials are going to test all of us. Yet I think we all know, and, I, and we've talked about it here, what will make the difference is how we are able to work with one another, how we are able to lead communities, not with the salvation ministry of you're going to hell, but instead the brotherly love and forgiveness that Christ has asked us to have. And that's a big one to take and a big one to use in our communities. We don't want to see pain and suffering. None of us do. Unfortunately, we're going to see some of it, I think. But one thing as I closed tonight that just really struck me is I came across a couple videos of people just talking about how just they're in tears and just talking about how this is all just living through this inner hell in themselves and how they wrote, one person wrote a prayer for people on this Easter day. And I was like, you know, somewhere you've missed something. That's my opinion, but I think something was missed. And I feel sorry for the people that are there because if we're truly tight with Jesus, we're solid we're not spinning. We're not going up and down on roller coasters. We understand what's before us, and we understand this is a tough walk. But what we also understand is as we trust in him and we trust in Father, there's nothing to fear, nothing to launch us to the pits of depression or, or anxiety, nothing to pump us up the other way where we can become overrelated and giddy with anticipation of something or other. It's a very level walk. And probably the greatest piece about all of Christ's time here is that it was a very steady walk. Something to reflect on. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. I'll never, never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers tight. We need a lot of prayers right now, and we need a lot of prayers for just the opening of those doors to bring in that opportunity to seek that intimate relationship with Jesus. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. Yet we're here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for bended knee, 1 p.m. Pacific, until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. He is risen. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now
sun sets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Safe place to hide from the rain.